This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Arsenal could be seeing up to two players leave in the coming weeks, whilst a brand new defender has been linked to the club. This is the Arsenal Transfer Show. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is, of course, as always, at 8am every single day, a brand new show for you today. We're talking about Arsenal transfers. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in and joining me. It is very much appreciated if you could drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you're new around here with those notifications turned on so you never miss a show. Good morning to those joining us live in the chat box today. Graham, Damian, Martin, Pam, Derek and Martin and Josh. We've got Paul and Graham and other Paul as well. More Pauls, loads of Pauls this morning. Um, <laughs> Jimbo, Babatundi. Uh, we've got Rich. We've got uh, Josh, Mr. Ree, Lars. Uh, we've got Carl and Amira, Maximius, Angela, Joe. Uh, Josh, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. It is very much appreciated. I hope you've had a fantastic week so far and that it is treating you well and yours, of course, as too. Um, but we're going to jump into today's stories very shortly. If you haven't already uh, gone and checked out yesterday's show, oh no. <laughs> Did I manage to catch that? I don't know if I clicked the mute button in time. That was the worst sneeze that I've ever done, <laughs> I think. And somehow it's managed to come out as I clicked the mute button. I don't know. Maybe you got half of it. Um, but I, I tried to save you guys from it. There may be another one along soon, like London buses. Um, but thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I hope that if you haven't already, um, I hope that you've already checked out yesterday's uh, show I did with Harry Simeon. Uh, it was a, uh, a quiet January. Uh, a quiet January is what is expected. And me and Harry sat down on the Canton Simu show. Let's have a quick check and check in about what's been going on in our worlds uh, whilst we have this quiet January. We talked about Mikel Arteta quite a lot. Um, we talked about the dynamic of of what it's like reporting on, on the club at times. And we talked, obviously, about transfers too. And we talked a bit about uh, Declan Rice and how he fits into things um, if he were to join Manchester City and if that can give us a... Uh, if that can give us kind of uh, an indication about where his future could lie 
at Arsenal. Um, so if you haven't yet gone and given that a watch, it is the latest live upload on the channel. Uh, and yes, Emrad is, is right to point out that Clive basically joined us throughout the entirety of that show to provide his insights from the chat book. So it basically became the Canton Simeo and Palmer show. Uh, but it was still good, all the same. Certainly worth your listening pleasure if you would give it a chance. But we should go into today's stories, I think, and start with the first of three transfer lines to discuss, uh, discuss, discuss, <laughs> which is Mohamed El Nenny, first of all. At the moment, he is, of course, away with Egypt at the Africa Cup of Nations. Um, but the Arsenal midfielder is being linked heavily uh, with a move to Turkey. There are suggestions that a move could indeed materialise during this window. Um, he has just six months, of course, left on his current contract with the club. I don't know how there would be anything in the way of a, a transfer fee, if anything, for Mohamed El Nenny. Very, very difficult to to kind of see that happening um, because it is what I expect anyway to just be probably a mutual termination and then he'll sign. But it'd be great uh, if indeed we could um, see a fee achieved for El Nenny. But I'm not expectant of that, to be fair. And the same goes for Cedric as well, the Portuguese international, of course, who continues to be on the, the uh, I suppose, fringes is the best way to describe it, the fringes of the squads. Um, and I think that with with uh, Cedric being where he is in the group, a move makes the most sense for him. And that has been the case for quite some time. Of course, he spent time on loan with Fulham recently, but still didn't materialise into a permanent move away. He has been with the team in Dubai, as you can see from the image on your screen. However, it seems that Turkish and Spanish clubs are looking at him. Uh, there's been notifications that, Besiktas might be a, a real option for, for Cedric and uh, Fabrizio Romano saying uh, yesterday that he expects that Cedric will leave during this transfer window. So it's just a case now of, of waiting and seeing, I guess, where he ends up. On Cedric and on El Neni, though, if they are both to leave, the likelihood is, is that this will not have a major impact on what type of transfer business we can do. The reality is that both of them will leave for a very small, if any, type of transfer fee, which of course does not free up any uh, kind of funds uh, for us in profit and sustainability regulations. It would, of course, uh, free up wages. Uh, Cedric is on about sixty-five to seventy-five thousand pounds per week, according to Spotrac. El Neni, I think, is on a, a wage similar. I think fifty to sixty. I think according to Spotrac as well. So it would free up over £100,000 per week worth of wages with both of them gone. Uh, but it's not really wages that affect your ability to spend during the window uh, with those regulations. It is more the amount of money you bring in for those players in regards to a transfer fee. So don't expect things to change too much if indeed these two do move on. But the headline story of the day, according to Alex Crook, is that Arsenal are one of the clubs that are looking at Everton defender Jared Braithwaite, or Branthwaite. Um, the uh, Everton player has, of course, been a key part of Sean Dyche's squad. Um, but with the situation that's continued to kind of develop, I suppose, with um, the Evertonians, it's, it seems that if they can get a good fee for any of their players, uh, they'll take it right now. And also, it might be at a deflated price because of their situation. He is an England youth international, yet not yet made his senior debut for England squad, but he is 21 years of age still. He can play in either of the centre-half <coughs> positions and has done throughout the course of the season for Everton uh, solely at centre-back, although he did have one game playing uh, at left-back, which is in the EFL Cup in their game against Fulham. 
Um, so perhaps that is what is going to be of interest to Arsenal. He's left-footed as well. And we know that Arteta does like a left-footed centre-half. But you would have to think, what does this mean for Jakob Kivior if, say, Arsenal were to, to bring in Jared uh, Branthwaite? But uh, I think he's a very good player. I think that he's got a lot of potential in this league. He really has moved seamlessly into the senior setup um, at uh, at Everton. And uh, yeah, it's he's, he's went on loan to, to PSV. So he's had time away from the club as well. That was back in, in 2022. But uh, yeah, he seems to be uh, of, of a good standing. 25 million euros is the transfer marked market value. I think Arsenal would be probably expected to pay around that to get him through the door. But Everton's situation might make this simpler for Arsenal to complete a deal. Right, let's move to part two, shall we? And we'll tackle as many of your questions as we can in the next part of the show. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, uh, let's jump into the chat box and go through uh, your comments after what we've already seen from today's stories. Please do, if you haven't already, drop a like and check out the show we did yesterday of Harry. It really was a good uh, listen, and it's always an absolute pleasure to sit down with Harry and talk about things Arsenal. I feel like you know we kind of produce relatively similar content in the form of it being grounded and objective, and it's not hyperbolic and crazy and shouty and screamy, um, and we try and keep our heads screwed on as much as we can to give you our views on the club. So uh, when we tend to collaborate, it tends to be a really good show. So I would recommend that you, you give it a listen. And of course, you'll be able to check out if you've bought a ticket because it's already sold out, Harry, at our live event uh, next month, which is going to be very exciting indeed. Uh, Gunnar Jake says, Tom, Everton's situation is selling players will not affect the ruling by PAS. They have been found to breach of the rules already. Does this not mean that they will not sell easily? No, because it's a rolling three-year period, uh, Gunnar Jake. So um, they would still need to continue to sell, um, to work in, to try and avoid any future potential breaches because of that rolling three-year period. So I made the mistake of thinking it was kind of three years, then three years, then three years. Uh, that was the error that I made previously. I've come to learn that it's a rolling three-year period, meaning it's like, so if you have one, two, three, it's then two, three, four, and then four, five, six, and then five, six, seven. I think I probably missed one out in there as well. You see, I can't do this stuff. Um, so yes, they would still need to sell um, to help with their uh, situation. Um, Bizarre says, I heard PSG were interested in a swap deal for Cedric. I think it was for someone called Kylian Mbappe coming the other way. Oh, well, that'd be great. Sure, let's do that. Cedric for Mbappe. I'm all, all up for that. That's fine. Did they 
I assume they swap wage packets as well. So Mbappe would come in on like 75k a week. Absolutely, I'm up for that. No problem at all. I hope you just send me the link of where you saw that story because I'd I just love to check it and give it a bit of a read. Uh, Maggi says, I don't rate Cedric, but with Tommy away, if Ben White was to get injured in training, who starts at right back against Palace? It's a really good question. And I would probably say uh, Saliba, uh, I think, would probably play there. You'd then play Kivior um, at right centre-back. You'd play Gabriel at left centre-back, and then you'd play Zinchenko um, probably at, at left-back, who's, who's back in training, as far as I'm aware. Uh, this week so um that's probably what we would do um if indeed we had the option to do that it'll be Saliba, gabriel kivio and then zinni playing kind of a that that hybrid role if you like on the left hand side um carl says tom is the team back in london or still in dubai if not do you think they will have a very short period to adapt back to the cold weather they return today is my understanding of the situation as i reported the other week uh they were away um from last tuesday and they have returned or will be returning today so that is that is uh what the expectation is uh, Andy says tom have you got the live show cast yet yes but i'm keeping it a secret is what i'm doing uh you know harry's on but i thought it'd be more fun and more fun for you guys that are going to be coming along for uh to, to find out who's going to be there is, is a bit of a surprise so uh Sorry, I'm keeping my lips sealed on this one. Um, we sold out tickets, which was amazing. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's more fun if I keep the lineup a bit secret for the uh, the live event, Andy. So uh, yes, yeah, sorry, Marcus. Damn me. Damn me indeed. So uh, I look forward to it. For those that have, of course, bought tickets, um, I'll be sending out an email to you guys and girls very, very soon. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, Lee says, are we the only club in the Premier League that buy players and end up giving them away? Perhaps they should liaise with Brighton and see how it's done. I can tell you, Lee, how it's done at Brighton. You sign tons and tons and tons of players. You sell some for basically what you bought them for or less than what you bought them for because you bought them for very small figures. And you keep the ones that made it uh, that cost you also very little amount of money. The difference between Arsenal and Brighton is we can't do that because if we did that, we'd be in a right lurch uh, if indeed uh, we tried to do it. So, yeah, uh, it's not about taking advice from Brighton. I can send you an article explaining that entire um, situation if you'd like. I wrote a piece talking about why Arsenal can't do what Brighton do. Um, but if you look at the players that they've sold in the last few years, you've probably never heard of, of a majority of them, despite the fact that you you know of the big ones that have sold, but they've sold lots more that haven't done anything at Brighton. Um, so we can't do that. We can't use the strategy that Brighton uses. And to be fair, Brighton's strategy is changing um, as they've gone higher up the table. They are signing more established players like Joao Pedro, for instance, for like 30 million quid. Dahoud and Milner came in on free transfers. So, yeah, um, it's it's more than just signing smartly and then selling, but uh, it can't work the same way, I'm afraid. Uh, Marcus says, uh, have you heard any rumours about going for Wolves uh, and eight Nuri? Uh, I've not heard anything about this. I'm going to do a quick Google search because uh, usually what happens is the gossip page on the BBC website gives a... Um, Oh, so yeah, Arsenal and Liverpool are interested in signing Wolves' Algeria left-back, eight Nuri. And this is according to... You know who. <laughs> so, uh, basically, every time I read a story and I see that, I'm just like... It's like you can just link every single player that might potentially uh, move to Arsenal so that you can basically point to that player and say, look, I said that we were linked to him first before anyone. Yeah, you also said that we were linked to 75,000 players. So <laughs> this is not exactly 
um, a real science. So no, it's not the BBC reporting that. It's um, it's yeah. <laughs> you just need to look into it and and do the digging to work out how much it's kind of just quite startling. It's not to say that Arsenal would never sign eight Newry. It's just a case of a source turning around and saying we're signing or we're linked to or we're interested in fifty thousand players um, to the point where you've you've covered all bases that you've covered every single base possible. So it wouldn't even matter if you got all the ones wrong, because all you need is one to be right. You get a lucky guess and, uh, and it works out. Uh, Mark says in an earlier show, there was some discussion of, um, of Newcastle possibly offloading players to avoid or mitigate profit and sustainability violations. Uh, assuming so, who could we buy? Would it be financially restricted to swap deals? Um, of course we, ourselves are under some scrutiny in the sense of we can't just sign a player for a hundred million pounds which is what it would probably cost to sign say Alexander Isaac for example um so yeah it would take a very it would take a lot of exploring and a lot of imagination to be able to do a deal uh in the tens to even a hundred million pounds um this window I just don't see it being feasible at all unless we get us a significant sale out through the door. Um, <clears throat> Mobo says, uh, Tom, if all of our outside backs in terms of our fullbacks uh, were available, would you try Zinchenko in midfield next to Rice? I believe that we would be a game changer with inverted left back like Tommy or Timber in the same team. Uh, not really, no. I wouldn't. Uh, I would use Timber as the right back, Tommy Asu as the left back, Sleeper and Gabriel in the middle. Um, and I'd play Partey and Rice and then Odegaard as my midfield three. I think that's the best team that we've got available um, when everybody is fit. If not Partey, then I think Jorginho needs to come in because it's. I think we just look better with Jorginho and Rice. However, there was a report from Simon Collins saying that Jorginho didn't apparently train yesterday. So just bear that one in mind as we get closer to that Crystal Palace game. Um, <clears throat> Tizer says, Hey Tom, with the profit and sustainability rules, meaning clubs are selling academy players for a maximum profit on the balance sheet, do you think this will change when the Prem League rules fall in line with FFP? from next season? I don't know, Tizer. I'd hate to give you the wrong answer, so I can't give you the answer to that because I, I honestly, I don't know. But with how it works, with the kids being sold at the moment, it shows up as pure profit, doesn't it? Because you've not obviously signed them for a transfer fee. So if you are able to sell one of your academy players, um, it looks really, really good on the books, which is why Chelsea have been able to do so much business because they've sold so many of their graduates for for so many uh, millions, which has given them plenty of freedom to, to sign players. You look at Mason Mount, for example, as a, as a good opportunity. Ruben Loftus-Cheek is, is another one. Um, Granddaddy Guna Paul says, do you think there's a link between Arteta being a bit quieter on the sidelines since being in charge? I feel like we've done nothing since his ban. I, I think he was booked within like a week of his ban. I think he was booked against Brighton which came pretty soon after the Aston Villa game. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure he was booked almost immediately after his ban. So, but since then, it's gone very quiet. So, yeah, I think that's that's the way forward. Uh, Martin says, you should ask Harry about his views on versatility. He has a very interesting take on it. I think his, his take on versatility is spot on, Martin. Um, Harry's spoken about this at length, and I agree with him. Mikel Arteta has got the intention of having a core group of players that can play across multiple positions because in reality, <clears throat> I can't lose my voice now. Uh, in reality, uh, you can't have 25 senior players at the top of the table. You can't have 25 senior players. It's not going to happen. You look at Man City squads. You've got a core of about 18, 19, 
20, if that, senior players, a core group of players that Pep Guardiola uses. And he's managed to master this squad-building rhetoric of having 20-ish players that can play in different positions so that if you lose a player, they're done, they're gone. And if you look at... So this has been an evolution of, of, of the sport, really. If you look at the Invincibles team, you know, yes, Thierry Henry could play on the left wing and did at Barcelona, but at Arsenal, he was known as being our centre-forward. You know, Henry was a centre-forward. Dennis Bergkamp was your, your second striker, could play up top, but as he got older, he obviously went further backwards and became more of an attacking midfielder, uh, backing up Thierry Henry, of course. And Perez was your left-sided player. Jumberg was your right-sided player. Lauren, Lauren, um, was obviously a right-back. Ashley Cole, left-back. Sol Campbell, Colatore, centre-backs. Now it's very different. Now we need to be in a position whereby we sculpt a squad that is full of versatility so that we can cover multiple positions. Now, the problem is, is if you go down that pathway, you need to make sure that you've got enough cover and enough versatility to cover multiple positions if one was to get injured. So if Tommy Asu is injured, you lose a player that can cover three roles. And back in the day, you didn't really get players who could cover three roles. The max was two. And I think, Franklin, you raised a good point with Parler at centre mid and right mid. So the max you could really get was two. Whereas Tommy Asu can play three positions. Kivior could argue play three positions. Partey is shown to be able to play at right back in this weird role at DM at number eight as well. Um, Trossard, eight, centre forward, left wing. Uh, Martinelli, left, right, middle, has also played in all three positions since being at Arsenal before. I know he's predominantly on the left-hand side, but he has played in the other roles. Um, and uh, Smith Rowe. 10 left wing he's even played center forward and false nine eight whereas now you know we have players that are playing three even four in the case of of, of timber and tommy asu can play in those different roles and so for that reason the why there is sometimes a flaw in this plan is if you lose a key player and you've lost two of those key players now you have nothing in, in certain positions and, and that or very 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 thin in certain positions. And that's the problem that we've got right now is that we don't have Tommy. We don't have Timber. And uh, Zinni's been injured, of course, as well. We've not had Partey, who could also play him right back under Arteta and has done. It's very difficult. Very difficult. PW, when you say Kivio can't really play at left back and Partey can't play at right back, again, I would go back and watch the show I did following the Fulham draw, the statistics that we were showing up with Partey playing that right back. He was averaging higher metrics across nearly all of his characteristics playing in that position he's having a greater impact on the game he was he was performing better than his average from the previous season of which he was available more than any other season so we had a really good sample size as well and left back at Kivior he can play there because he plays there for his national side for Poland he's still learning the role that Arteta wants from that left-hand side because it's different to what he has to do when he plays for Poland but they can play there it's just not as good as their natural positions, especially Kivior, of course, who is a left-sided centre-back beyond anything else. But they can. Saying they can't play there is just not true. They can play there. It's just to a limited factor. And Partey, actually, people just didn't like it because they were desperate to see uh, Partey playing um, with Rice. So was I. You know, I loved seeing it, and I want to see that going forwards. If it is in the future, I think Timber is our long-term option at right-back. Uh, Lisa, Tom, when in the player zone, do you see real disappointment from the squad after a loss like you see them hurt? I tell you what, when we lost to Everton last season, Lee, I've never seen the players so 
dejected. Um, the mix zone in Goodison Park is right next to the dressing room. And like you can tell how affected they are. It's really difficult to be able to get an interview with the players after games that they've lost because you know they don't want to talk because they're very, very frustrated. And uh, I can understand that and empathise with that. Some, some players are more open to talking than others after defeats. We spoke to Nelson after Liverpool's defeat. I remember speaking to Ramsdale after we lost at Man City last season. I remember speaking to Xhaka after we lost to Forest away last season. Some players are more akin, more you know, comfortable talking after defeats. A lot aren't. So yeah, you absolutely can tell, Lee. They aren't. <laughs> they are not in a good mood. Uh, Nexus says, Tom, what happens if we don't beat Crystal Palace and the window shuts? The meltdown will be epic. And I get the profit centipede rules. And this is on the owners to do better at selling. Is it on the owners to do better at selling? Again, I, I kind of always ask this question. If you've got the solution to those selling problems, if you've got the solution for us to have not been in the position that we are now, selling-wise, then I'm, I'm all ears, but I'm yet to, I'm yet to get it. Um, I'm, I'm yet to, to hear it. In regards to if we don't beat Crystal Palace, we'll cross that bridge if and when that bridge arrives. Uh, Rob says, why did we extend Elneny's contract when he was injured? If we aren't getting a fee for his sale... Was it only because we we're a nice club? What are your thoughts on being nice versus not selling players well? Well, I mean, it was it didn't really matter with El Nelly Rob because of course his contract expired in the summer. We extended it for another year. Um, sometimes it is good to do the right thing as a club because it shows classiness. Um, and it's not always yes, we should be ruthless. And trust me, we've shown plenty of ruthlessness. Think about how many people are moaning about Arteta's ruthlessness with the goalkeeping situation as an example. Um, El Nani staying was injured at the end of that season. The hope was that he would be able to contribute in some games this season. Um, but sadly, he's, he's suffered more injuries again. He's still doing his coaching badges as well. It was just the right thing to do. He's our longest serving player at the club now. I had absolutely no issue with him staying for another year. I think it's really pulling at hairs if if there is any annoyance at the, the El Nani thing as well. Um, Shano says, uh, hi, Tom. I'm okay with us uh, not targeting. Um, I'm okay with us not targeting players this year and going again in the summer, but with our set off for the final piece of the jigsaw. Um, but I do fear that it gets toxic. How do the club deal with this? They don't. I, I don't think they do, to be honest. Um, I think the club just kind of get on with it. They're very well aware of the fact that there are, there's a lot of animosity around when things aren't going well. Um, but they, they just kind of let things keep going. Like I've never had anyone come to me and say, can you talk a bit more positively about Arsenal, please? And no, it's never happened. Because A, I'd tell them, no, I'm going to speak my mind and I'm going to speak my opinion. Um, I'm never going to not speak what I think about things. Um, and B, I, it would come across really poorly from the club side. Um, I know there's like, you know, every, every institution, every company, every sports club has a PR department and it's their job to obviously try and make the, the image of the club as good as it is. But I, from the point of view of, of kind of the way in which media has changed and the rise of fan channels and things like that, you can't control the opinions of fans in that way. And it would come across really bad if the club tried to. So... But as Harry, Harry talked a bit about this yesterday, I can't speak for other clubs. I can only speak from my experience of of working in and around, but not for Arsenal. And and that is that they don't influence your view. They don't have any kind of sway on on what you should and shouldn't be doing. And certainly I've never felt that since being there. 
The only thing that I think that you could argue is that some people turn to me and say, why don't you ask this specific question in a press conference? And usually those questions are something on the lines of, why haven't you signed any players? <laughs> you know, or why are you not signing this player? Um, or are you linked to this player? Ask about this player. You're never going to get an answer to those questions. You've got to ask questions that you think you're going to get answered, you know. So there's an element of respect that needs to be there when you're working in and around the club. But when I'm jumping on here and I'm talking about Arsenal on the channel, it's the unfiltered version of of my view on on different things. Um, and I always ask for challenge. You know, I always invite people to challenge those views. It's no echo chamber here. We in, we encourage um, challenge all the time. So, yeah, uh, I, I don't think the club should do anything, to be honest, mate, about it. I don't think they should try and do anything about it. The only thing I think the club should discourage, as they do, is the online abuse. It's the abuse that people spout and spew um all the time and they try to as best they can to raise awareness of online abuse and to provide support for people and for players and for um friends and families of those players they try to provide the support that they can because some of the abuse is horrific from fans in quotation they're not fans are they They couldn't give a monkeys about arsenal really it's more more important to worry about themselves but um the club can only do so much so, yeah, sorry about that. Um, let's go to uh, Ridiculous. Is a uh, difference with Partey and Zinni to Kivio becoming a left wing back, uh, or not even a left wing back, um, just a left back. Both Partey and Zinni are centre mid players who are trained to become a left back. Uh, Kivio is a centre back trained to become a left back. And, and this is a really good point. You know, I think it is much harder for a centre back to play fullback than it is for a midfielder to play fullback, especially in this system. Because basically, if you play fullback under Arteta, you're basically an extra midfielder. So you're absolutely spot on. 100% spot on. Um, Lynn says, Tom, if you get time, um, go listen to Judge's podcast um, last night. He had a guest who wasn't an Arsenal fan, but he was so balanced and it was a bit of an eye-opener and Potsy was on there as well. Uh, I will uh, see if I can add it to my watch list for today, Lynn. Uh, on, I assume it's on Judge's channel. Yes, I could, Pauli. Um, so... I will add it to my watch list for sure. And he was very balanced about Arsenal. So I look forward to I Balance is good. Balance is good. Uh, Mark says, Tom, even when De Bruyne was out, Calvin Phillips could not get into the lineup, even as a sub. Will, set, will City sell him? And do you rate him? Hard to remember playing because it's been so long that he's been on the bench. I do remember him playing for Leeds. And I remember Arsenal fans being very keen on the idea of assigning him from, from Leeds. Never happened. Um, and I wouldn't expect it to happen. And I don't think it should happen now. Arsenal, I think, have gone to a different level of player to Calvin Phillips. But I think he'll go to a, you know, a West Ham type team. Um, I think that would probably be the where he ends up. And I think that would be a good move. But you're right. You know, City signed players. It doesn't always work out. They spent a lot of money on Phillips. They are not going to be able to get anywhere close to what they bought him for. Are they going to get battered for how much they've spent on him and how much they're selling for? Probably not, no. Um, because they've done well to sell other players quite well. Um, and that's the difference at the moment is we need to improve in, in that area. And says, do you prefer Branthwaite or Anana from Everton if you could only get one? I think I think Anana, because you're looking to sign, you know, a potential starter. And I think we are we need the depth in the midfield, the centre mid area. And I think there are other kind of fullbacks, if you like, that I'd rather move for than Branthwaite. So I'd prefer Anana. Um, but I think there are better options to both of those players. Um, so it's worth pointing that out. 
Uh, Martin says, to be honest, Arteta wants a team of midfielders, including the goalkeeper, indeed. And that's just the way that he kind of sees things in his philosophy is, yes, you need as a player to have... I mean, a midfielder is basically the, what you would describe as the average footballer. The midfielder is the average position of, of any footballer. If Any footballer should really, in the modern era, be able to play centre mid. You should be able to pass. You should be able to have good vision and thought processing to processing, sorry, to, to move the ball into the right areas. Um, you should be able to shoot because a midfielder does need to do that. You should need to defend. You know, a midfielder is the most all-round position on the field. And so Arteta wants players that can effectively be a midfielder anywhere on the field because you need to be able to be able to have that technical ability to play in that system. So yeah, it's I think that you're right, Martin. Um, but I think there's a reason why that is the case, even though obviously there are more specialisms. But when you really strip it all back to the bare bones, every player kind of does need to be and have the characteristics of a midfielder. Yeah, it's, it's a very, very good point. Uh, Abdimalik says, who are your ideal signings in January? It's, it's really hard because if you're asking me to be realistic, realistically, I don't think we're going to be bringing anybody in unless it's a loan, in which case, if it is a loan, I would sign a fullback. Um, I said, if you can sign a permanent player, get a midfielder. If it's a short-term option, go and get a fullback because that makes the most sense for our loan option. So loan-wise, a loan with an option to buy Cadiolu um, from Fenerbahce, maybe that would be a way forwards, um, a way through to do something like that. Otherwise, very, very, very difficult. Very difficult indeed. Uh, Bizarre says, what are your thoughts on Barcelona wanting Arteta? I wouldn't be surprised. Um, Xavi under pressure at the moment. I wouldn't be surprised if they approached Arteta. Arteta has just over a season left on his deal. Uh, there's been no suggestions that there are talks for a new contract of Arteta yet. The club are very relaxed about that. Arteta's very relaxed about that. Very happy at the club. Happy to be at Arsenal. We'll be very happy to continue. I imagine it won't take too long to agree on a brand new deal between the manager and the club if indeed those talks do start up. Um, but uh, this is the thing. Arteta has put himself into the bracket of clubs where if he was to leave Arsenal... The likes of Barcelona would want him. And that was the difference, I think, between him and Emery. When Emery left Arsenal, the clubs that were interested in him were Villarreal and now Aston Villa. Whereas Arteta's got to the level where he's looking at leaving Arsenal if indeed he does. He's going to be tried. He will be snapped up by one of the elite clubs. I am sure of that. Um, absolutely sure of that. Uh, do I think Josie will go to Newcastle, uh, ask Lee? I think there's potential for that, but at the moment, Eddie Howe remains in place, so that's not going to change until at least he's gone. And as Seymour says, I prefer the latter, but is the English quota always a plus for plus for all clubs in the league? Remember, it's not an English quota. It's a non-homegrown quota. Uh, it's always important to get that the right way around. So you're allowed 17 non-homegrown players in your senior 25-man squad. Um, so it means that you would have uh, eight naturally uh, that are not uh, that are homegrown. So, uh, but it is definitely a plus. The idea of having homegrown status and the homegrown encouragement is definitely, definitely a positive. Um, let's go to Marx's. Can you give us an update on the injuries? Anyone like Vieira and Partey becoming available for the Palace tie? I think that Vieira, you're more likely to see. It's difficult with Vieira. Um, the hope is weak, so I'd imagine February. Partey, there is hope that he could be available for the Forest game. I guess we'll have to wait and see on that one, but there's hope. Um, but we don't know the fine details of that yet. Anyone else? Zinchenko, I think, did train this week. Jorginho missed training yesterday. So we don't know how if that's a problem or not. I guess we will find out. But Zinchenko, um, 
I think has been involved in training in some capacity this week, which I think is positive. Um, who else is there? Is there anyone else? Jesus is back. Jesus is in full training. He's available. He's playing. Um, so he should be all right for the game against Palace this weekend. But I hope that rounds up all of them. Uh, I'm trying to think of any others that are. Tommy Asu is away, of course, so that's different. He didn't play in Japan's first game because he's still building up his match fitness from that game against Fulham uh, when he did return. Uh, Lee says, Tom, where will Josh be speaking at the AFC AGM? Um, I don't know if we do them anymore. Um, I don't think... Uh, do we do them since they took... I think we do. Okay, so the Arsenal AGM 2023 will take place on the 17th of December. So there was an AGM on the 17th of December for um, the Disabled Supporters Association, according to the Arsenal Disabled Supporters Association website. I don't see anything else. I think we should still do AGMs. Um, but I've not really seen too much about anything else. Uh, minutes of the 20th annual AGM. That was in July of 2023. Uh, so I guess July of 2024 is probably when the next AGM is, if the last one was in July. Um, there was also mentions of one in uh, um, in December, but maybe that was for the uh, Arsenal Dis Disabled Supporters Association instead. So um, there you go. Maybe I guess it was. I guess it maybe is July. Uh, all on deck says football is all about midfielders. Forget what money has to do with the game in aspects of striker. Fees and the thing is, with Arsenal going for any striker, they're going to have to have characteristics of collaboration as well. Uh, Ian says, I thought Ben White was carrying an injury, maybe it was better to rest him for a match. I mean, he's had a weekend off as well. Uh, Ben White would have been going through plenty of um assessment over the course of the last week plus. Um, so that's a really good point about Ben White, and hopefully, this rest is will be of, of benefit to him. Mr. Fever says, So that makes us the club where managers come to learn that and train and then move to a big club. Okay, uh, what? That doesn't make any sense. What, just Arteta? <laughs> what, are Arsenal not a big club to you? Okay, <laughs> they are to me. Apparently not to you. Uh, Tyson says, VAR audio being shown on Sky for Odegaard's handball. Uh, they deem it to have been a handball. I think it was really harsh if it had been given, but they seem to think it was handball. I think he was balancing, personally. I think he was using his arm, as you do when you're falling, to balance, and the ball strikes it. I think it's really unlucky if it was given as handball, and I think the right decision was made on the day. Uh, Mark says, there were several Brazilians that we were interested in that might come for a lower fee. Any news on them? And what of Marquinhos's loan ending? Nothing on the Brazil front at the moment, Mark. Uh, on Marquinhos, he's now away with uh, Brazil's under-23s for the pre-Olympic tournament. That runs all the way through until February, unless they get knocked out early. I'd be surprised if Marquinhos leaves this window. I think he's more likely to leave on a permanent in the summer would be my prediction. I think he'll be with the youth team for the rest of the season, to be honest. Um, so there you go. Um, Bizarre says, I heard on another channel that uh, if Arsenal were to sell a homegrown player for 30 million, it means we can spend 80 million. Or is that complete BS? Which is my opinion. It's not entirely incorrect. So... Uh, the reason why it's not entirely incorrect is because of amortization. So if we were to sell Eddie and Ketia for £30 million, it means that you've just put an academy graduate sale on the books at £30 million in 2020 for the year of 23-24, right? And so if you do that, then what it means is, is that you could, in theory, amortize 
30 million across five years for a 150 million pound player. So the 30 million that Eddie is sold for in this window could pay off a 30 million of the amortization of a 150 million pound player. I think I'm not a financial expert. This is me just vamping a bit. But because of amortization of those deals being spread across five years, if you were to sell that for Eddie for 30 million, that would show up on your books now. But if you were to buy a player for 150, it would show up as the 30 million across each of those five years that they were at the club. Um, I think that's right. So technically, you're right. But it, it's it's far more complicated than I make it out to be. It's I'm not an expert on this, so please don't take that as gospel. But that's my interpretation of, of technically how it could work. But obviously, that's just one deal. Arsenal have got loads of deals that they've paid for over the years. There's far, far less deals that they haven't um, obviously pay uh, across it. Um, but uh, yeah, that's just in the context of, of one one in, one out, which is not how it works really for Arsenal. So. I guess in theory that could work, but it would depend upon how much money we're paying off the back of other deals that we've done. Because we've outspent our sales for the last goodness knows how many years. I can't remember the last time we made profit in a window. And that's a problem. So that's why we are, you know, that's that's why we're in the situation that we are with profit and sustainability. So we made a loss last year of 170 something million euros according to Transomarts. This is just player sales. We made a loss of around the same the season before. Um, 140 million euros around that the season before that uh, 67 million euros the season before that 110 million euros the season before that 71 the season before that uh, we made profit in 2017 the season of 2017 that doesn't include um, well, that includes January deals as well so and we made the loss of season before that, a loss of season before that, a loss of season before that, a loss of season before that, a, a profit in 2012, 2013, uh, a profit a season before that, a loss of season before. And we made profit. It's it's just a joke, really. Uh, you know, in terms of player sales, we just aren't doing very well in that area at all. And we need to be better. So, yeah, um, there you go. Uh, thank you anyway for tuning in. Um, really appreciate your time. As always, do drop a like on the video. Don't take any financial advice unless you with a grain of salt, as always. Um, and I'll be back tomorrow morning uh, for another show. Tomorrow, of course, Thursday, we'll probably be doing a preview ahead of the game against Crystal Palace as well tomorrow afternoon. I don't know if we're going to be doing a phone-in show today or not. I might be. I might be doing a phone-in show. I might not. I haven't decided yet. depends on anything that happens today or you know plans this afternoon but we might be doing a phone-in show later on today i'll let you know if we are on social media so keep your eyes peeled over there have a fantastic rest of your wednesday get through this and you're nearly at the end of the week stay safe stay well stay happy and as always up the arsenal It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.